calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. McCaffrey from IGN. Welcome to another episode of IGN Unfiltered, my regular interview series where I get to sit down with the best, brightest, most interesting minds in the games industry. And today, joining me from their uh, unfortunately empty studio as we continue to all work from home are Craig Zinkovich and Matt Higgison, the CEO, Chief Creative Officer, respectively, and each a co-founder of Cold Iron Studios. They are working on the newly announced game Aliens Fire Team. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Super excited to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, man. Is it so? Actually, I'll start. Have either of you been back in the office? Like, is it kind of weird to have, to have gone in and <laughs> like? I like the backdrop. Don't get me wrong; it's cool to see your studio. But is it uh, is it kind of a strange feeling to be in there right now? Oh, it's definitely weird. I, I, I I'm I'm here, Matt's, I don't know, 150 yards away in another office. Um, we, we come back in just to make sure that for things like this, we have super solid internet access, but it is weird. It is weird. I mean, cold iron has always been a really kind of tight knit culture. And so it's kind of, kind of strange to show up here and just see the, the, the empty floor. Uh, I'll start there really is, uh, I mean, obviously the game is aliens fire team. We're going to be talking about it all month long. We've already been talking about it throughout the month of March on IGN, uh, how how is your team adjusted? I mean, you mentioned the tight knit group. How how is everybody adjusting to the work from home? Has it slowed you guys up? How are how are things going now? Um, you know, well, I think it was challenging. When Matt, it was what March? Oh, man, Late February, early March. You know, I mean, you're in the Bay Area too, right, Ryan? Yeah, and yeah. We locked down pretty early here. To, yeah, to really realize what was happening and. Um, oh. We really, really quickly gathered the team together and said, "How are we gonna? How are we gonna overcome all the challenges that we think are right around the corner?" Um, and we knew we needed to do three things, like ASAP, which was send everybody home and get them working, um, and keep making the game that we're making and make it as awesome as we can, and really double down on supporting everybody um, and supporting their their work that they have to do for the game as well as supporting their family and their ability to just like you know be human beings not just employees at a game company 
So we sent everyone home and, um, you know, of course there's challenges, but we have ultra smart and creative people on the team and we're used to overcoming challenges. So we've, we've been able to enact a bunch of new things that probably we'll keep after the pandemic is over and we come back together to work. Like, um, you know, we talked through Discord. I mean, we've yeah. talked through Discord before. The whole team hangs out in Discord all day, every day right now. And it's great because we can all see exactly what each other are working on and um, and be able to communicate just like we were sitting next to each other in the office. Yeah, I think if 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 you had asked uh, Matt Shannon, who's our who's our other co-founder uh, and myself before the pandemic, if we would ever be able to do remote work, um, I think we would have said no. I, we love game development. We love being in the trenches. We love the you know getting a board, getting a room, and and write stuff up on the on on the whiteboard. And uh, we knew when the pandemic hit that that priority was our teammates and their families, and making sure that everybody was safe. And so it was like we got to we got to just make this happen, send everybody home. And I've been very very proud, and we're we're just so thankful that that. The, the team has worked really, really hard to overcome the challenges of remote work and, and to make it really, really work well for us. Uh, I would, I mean, it, it's hard to say because there were challenges in the beginning. How do you iterate on content when before you would get in a, in a, in a, in a room like this and play the game and point things yeah. out? How do, you, how do you do those things remote? But we got over those challenges. I really don't think we've really missed a beat. So I'm very proud of the team and super thankful of the effort that they put in to make it work. I imagine you've got to upgrade everybody's home internet because you, if you're, you know, if you do a new build, it's however many, you know, many gigabytes at a time, right? You're just constantly having to upload and download stuff all the time. So it's calling up Comcast or whoever the local provider is and, and getting everybody dialed in, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely have run into uh, cap limit issues and and have tried to help support people there. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, there there are challenges like that too. Yeah, yeah um, even I'm for my own purposes, just doing just doing IGN from home. I've upgraded my internet speed twice. <laughs> First, I went <laughs> to the highest speed that the one provider had, and then I changed providers when when fiber rolled out of my neighborhood. It's like thank thank goodness for high speed internet. So. Um, all right, let's get back to you guys because no one cares about me. So you guys <laughs> founded, uh, you guys founded Cold Iron now six years ago, uh, and a, an interesting fact I learned about the studio as I was preparing for this interview: the studio has been sold four times in that span. <laughs> now that's got to make your head spin as people who, by your own description, Craig, just want to be in the trenches and make games. Yeah, I think it. I think it has allowed me to make sure that I can update my LinkedIn with you know you know acquisition specialist and can you know acquire and sell companies during pandemics, uh, which I think is kind of rare, but uh, but but not something I planned when I got into the industry. Um, yeah, but but again, I, I'm I'm gonna go back to the team and the passion for this project. I mean, it is a difficult thing to 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 kind of move. Uh, from company to company, but the team, the 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 love that they have for this game, uh, the vision that they have for this game is just everybody is stuck together. Everybody is super passionate about it and super committed to making sure that we put out the best game possible. 
and so has kind of stuck through it. And we've gotten excellent support from our partners as well. Uh, our, you know, licensor at Disney and 20th Century has just yeah. been fantastic, making sure that we continue to get the access that we need to things and stuff like that through the through the whole process. So it's been kind of an interesting footnote and a lot of kind of wow, that's strange, that's interesting, but uh, but it hasn't really affected us on the ground too awfully much. So n none of them have been bad marriages then. It's it's just sort of been a weird a weird sort of happenstance of business it sounds like. It's it's definitely been a weird happenstance of business and it, I mean we 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 ended up getting purchased by 20th Century back in, you know, 2018 uh and then, you know, they they got they got bought by Disney and uh everything from there but everybody has been super supportive. Everybody has always seen the I'll throw out, you know, terrible business terms as, as, as CEO. They've always seen the value in the game. They've always seen the the trajectory of development and, yeah. and the strength of the team that we have at Cold Iron. So there was never a time where people were like, oh yeah, let's just get rid of this and shut it down. I mm -hmm. think they all were like, yeah, this is this is value. Let's find a let's find a home for this. Let's try to find a way to get this awesome game out. Matt, now you're the chief creative officer, so that is, you've got creative in your title, that is what you think about all day. What's been the toughest part for you of this kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, revolving door of, of studio ownership over these last several years? It's, it's a boring answer, but there hasn't been a, a creative issue at all. Uh, Good. We've been focused on aliens the entire time, and... Um, you know, we're also passionate about the IP that it really is business things that go on behind the scenes that are just required to keep a studio afloat, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you've, you've both been around for a while now, you've both been in the industry for some time. Is there any advice, uh, after, you know, you, you worked at Cryptic, both of you for many years, that's what the studio spun out of. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And now with cold iron and and kind of going through the business realities of the game industry is there any advice that either one of you would want to go back and and give to your younger selves about just kind of surviving and thriving in the games industry that's an interesting don't, question don't have a pandemic <laughs> yeah, don't. That, would, that would make it a little easier yeah that, that might make it a little easier um really i i think I think it's important just to focus on the game is to focus on what you're making. It, I mean, we're, we're in this industry because, because we love games. It's a creative endeavor. We love doing this. We love working with really smart people who are passionate and driven about the products that, that, that they're making and the experiences that they're making. And if you just focus on that, uh, then, then everything else, yeah, it's noise. It can be distracting at some point in time, but it's focusing on the game that a, like mentally gets, I think, Matt and, and Shannon and I and the rest of Cold Iron through these things, but also is is where the success lies. Because, you know, nobody cares how many times you've been bought if you put out a great game. Uh, nobody cares about any of the business stuff if the product is looking awesome. And so, you know, just focus on your passion, focus on why you're in the industry, and, uh, and, then, and then things fall into place because of that. Yeah, and I think... Um... For everybody out there starting a studio, surround yourself with smart people and always hire people that are better than you. Um, the industry changes so fast that you always have to be learning and always have to be teaching. Um, and I think 
you know, something that, that we've learned is to just get the best from the industry, learn as much as we can from them, and continue to teach each other things every, every single day that we're developing. That's good advice. That's good advice for sure. Now, as I mentioned, Cold Iron spun out of Cryptic, uh, which was probably best known for City of Heroes and City of Villains, I think it would be fair to say. Now, uh, I remembered when I was getting ready for this, I visited Cryptic once uh, down in Los Gatos. Uh, I was there to see, I was working for official Xbox magazine, and I was there to see the Xbox version of either City of Heroes or it might have been Champions Online. It was something that ultimately never came out. Uh, does, does that ring a bell for for anybody? Do you guys, was it what was an Xbox version of one of your games that ended up never shipping? Is this is this your way of asking how many games never came out at Cryptic? <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, I guess it's just it's my own connection to you guys here. When I was thinking yeah. back, I was like, wait a second, that never there was because the, there were a number of MMOs that that never came out for the 360 that were supposed to. So uh, I'm curious with you guys. It, it, so which one was it? Was it City of Heroes or was it Champions Online? So I, I, don't, I don't think it was City of. Uh, we, 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 Paragon Studios was, was working on City of when, uh, when it was getting ported, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was Champions. I think it might have been, uh, oh, I'm going to, it depends on the year. It might have <laughs> been the, uh, the, the Marvel MMO that was announced. Yeah. Uh, might have been that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was what I was going to ask you about that one. Cause it's, as I said, there were, there were a number of MMOs that, that got announced right in the early days of the 360. Like it seemed like, I mean, there was one that I can think of for the original Xbox that also got canceled, but, but then the 360 era, it seemed like, okay, this is finally going to be when, when consoles get MMOs. You know, there was, uh, I mean, Final Fantasy XI actually came out, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that might have been about the only one because there was Vanguard, there was you guys, Marvel Universe Online. Um, there were a number of them that just never ended up seeing the light of day. Was it, by your guys' recollection, was it just kind of, was it just a hardware limitation with, with the 360 and presumably the PS3 as well mm. at the time? I uh, no, I it, like it, it. It was a while ago, so I'm 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 gonna make guesses. But it wasn't it wasn't any sort of hardware limitation. Uh, in, in my recollection, there was nothing about the platforms that actually stopped us, uh, mm -hmm. or 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 kept that from happening. I think it was just a a a a a a, a collision of a lot of business decisions that were kind of outside the studio. We were really excited to be working on that game. It was fantastic working with Marvel. Yeah. uh during that uh uh progress um some of the some of the partnerships i think on the business side um and again this is a long time ago didn't quite work out and then i do think that we had a pretty big economic crash right around that time too uh that made kind of investment and stuff like that a little bit more sticky to get to right. to to get our hands on so um i don't think there was anything technical or anything design i remember uh, all our partners being super excited with the progress that we were making. So, because if uh, I I did check your your frequently updated LinkedIn page, Craig, before jumping jumping into this, and I believe it said uh, you were the lead on Marvel Universe Online. Is that correct? Oh no, I wasn't lead on 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 Marvel Universe Online. I think during that during that time, I was uh, I was the uh, head of production at okay. at, at Cryptic Studios. Um, the and then. Uh, 
I mean, I was involved in the development, but but I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't game director or anything like that. Right, that Matt, were you around at that point? Because I know you were in yeah. the studio not quite as long as Craig, but you were there for a while too. Yeah, I joined um, right after Villains shipped, and we were working on the Marvel project, and I was um, a character artist on Marvel. Nice. So, so what do you guys remember about that? Like, what could you, cause it's, you know, things have come so far full circle now. I mean, Marvel was a known quantity, a popular thing then, but that was, I mean, that would have been right around. Well, technically I think when that game, when Marvel universe online was announced, that was pre iron man one, as far as the yeah. movies go, yeah. the MCU goes. And, and certainly, you know, fast forward now and they're owned by Disney and uh, they're, you know, it's one of the biggest things on the planet. So what what was that game going to be, Marvel Universe Online? Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Because I think just again in the in the current context of of Marvel's cultural power and impact, it, it'd be interesting to hear about the the MMO game that you guys were planning. It was going to be a, a a feat of engineering to get all the the abilities onto a controller. Um, <laughs> I, I do remember us actually clipping on the. The typing keyboard controller onto the 360. I remember and that. Yeah, wondering if we were going to be able to use that to have any sort of gameplay as well. Because I mean, City of Heroes, you know, it massive amount of customization, very much in the vein of like a traditional MMO. Um, and we were trying to bring like an action experience to consoles, a more like visceral moment-to-moment -moment action, um, which is pretty much what we did with with Neverwinter later on, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, that's, that's my main memory was trying to figure out how to get everything onto a controller and how to, um, how to not die from eating pizza every night. Cause that was back <laughs> when Cryptic would have stack up 500 pizza boxes in the, wow. in the cafeteria. So. Yeah, it, it is because I mean that was also the time, and, and Ryan, maybe that's that's one of the reasons why uh, MMOs had a hard time getting on the console during that era is because uh, MMOs were so so deep into PC, right? It just right. remembering what the UIs felt like for you know Dark Age and and COH and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It was just very PC. And uh, and expected that level of fiddliness within the RPG, and I think that there was a lot of things to learn uh, to kind of bring them over there. Now, and I, I I know that we ended up having a far more action oriented game, a lot simpler, a lot more streamlined. I'm sure that we took a lot of those learnings and brought it on to Neverwinter later. But uh, but maybe that's one of the reasons why we didn't see that big boom right around that time because there was so much to learn. What did uh, what what lessons were there? Things that came out of that that ended up directly applied to City of Heroes. Oh, things that came out of uh, came out Marvel of the Marvel project. experience. Yeah. That, that I, at that point in time, City of Heroes, uh, Cryptic Studios wasn't running City of anymore. Uh, Paragon Studios. Okay, by then. Okay. So uh, if if they learned anything, it was because they peeked in our windows and saw what we were doing. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, if real quick, one of the just strange little thing if i'm remembering this correctly and this might prove to just be a dumb thing if you say no but um do i remember right because again i don't know why the visit to cryptic sticks in my head but uh what was your was the cryptic office the original home of netflix like where the, had netflix been there before you guys yeah, it was. So, so it wasn't the original place where where Cryptic was, but uh, the the expanded Cryptic, the the larger Cryptic when you visited, and and they're still there in Los Gatos too. 
was the old Netflix building, is, okay. is what we call it. And it was great too because it was it was the Netflix office building, but then they also had the big warehouse behind it. And we would kind of walk through the hallways uh, from the parking lot to, to where the office building was. And you'd walk by these windowed warehouses. And for a good couple of years after we moved in, they still had a lot of the DVDs because that was back in the time when sure. Netflix actually sent out DVDs. Yeah, yeah. They had kind of the, you know, dirty dancing, you know, special edition commentary discs on pallets just sitting yeah. in the uh, in the warehouse. So yeah, uh, it was the Netflix building. Oh, that's funny. Um, so, you know, City of Heroes was was always an excellent game. I feel like it kind of never got the recognition it it deserved. Uh, do you guys kind of agree with that assessment? And and uh, and if so, kind of why do you think that was? Um, I, I guess I don't. I guess I don't agree with that. Good. Um, I mean, we were overjoyed with the with the reception that we got when we put out City of Heroes. Uh, it was just a fantastic experience. I mean, for for a bunch of people um, on that project, it was it was our first foray into video games, uh, and it was it was just amazing to have such a, a a a huge fan base come. I mean, there was a lot about MMOs that that we really enjoyed, but we really just wanted to make a super fun superhero game uh, where you could play with your friends and you could adventure and, and, and have stories. And, uh, and we were super excited that people, uh, people latched onto it. And I think that I, if, if I was going to choose between a, a super passionate, rabid fan base um, and you know, super broad, everybody kind of knows that the product's there, I'd go after the the rabid fan base, and City of Heroes definitely has that. I mean, yeah. you, you you've seen in the past years people have kind of resurrected it and and run pirated servers and stuff like that. It's just fantastic to see people still having having a great time in Paragon City this many years later. So uh, let's fast forward to Cold Iron now, and I want to hear from both of you. We'll start with Matt because the uh, poor guy's been quiet over there for a little bit. <laughs> so why why did you guys end up deciding to want to set up your own shop? Ooh, you know, Craig and I, how long have we worked together now? Since 2007, you and I have worked together. Um, yeah. You've known Shannon since college. Um, yes. We've, we've always kind of said, one day we got to go do something together. Um, and it turned out it was the right time. And we thought it would be fun to go set up shop above a laundromat and have the three of us building ikea desks and working on prototypes and i mean we love getting our hands really deep into get into the actual day-to-day -day game development um i still do art craig still does game design shannon does programming we all get way too deep in everybody's business all the time we're not just suits that sit in some corner office in an empty building like we are right now um and you know, we wanted to make games that we want to play and we want to go to work every day and be around smart people that want to do the same thing. And it was it was the right time to do it. So so we took the we took the leap. Craig, what's your version of that? Oh, yeah, I, it's 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 a lot like what Matt said. I mean, we we love Cryptic Studios. A lot of our a lot of our best friends are still there. There's so much about Cryptic that is that is ingrained in us. I, I have breakfast with the CEO on a on a regular basis. Uh, we still kept in touch. So so there was nothing that 
that made us run from cryptic. Um, if, if I were to give you like a two minute, what color is my rainbow answer to that? It's that like, for me, I had gotten to the point where I was COO at Cryptic and I had a lot of the game teams reporting into me. And after doing that for a while, I realized that, you know, I, I, I'm actually better at running a game team than I am at teaching people how to run a game team. And quite frankly, I liked it a whole lot more. And I could have either said, look, I want another game at Cryptic. But at the same time, we had like, mentored so many people and there was such great amazing talent at cryptic that it was like look it's their turn and i mean you could see the gray on my beard if i was going to go and start a studio if we were going to go and kind of let's try to build another something from you know scratch uh now was a really really good time so uh worked with worked with the cryptic uh, executive team worked with you know perfect world and their owners and and, and spun out cold iron studios Oh, that's cool. It's it's nice to hear, you know, a drama-free situation. Like so often, oh, you know, yeah. you hear about the drama versions where there's there's this sniping and this bitterness or this that, and so it's uh, it's nice to hear that everybody was just cool. Everybody had a, had, had a, oh, yeah. handled it well. Yeah, it it might not be great news for you where it's like, <laughs> oh, let's find the, but but no, it it's it, it's a fantastic relationship. It was hard. It was hard to leave Cryptic. We were there for so long, and there yeah. was so many errors of Cryptic that was. That was just so much fun and 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 so amazing. So it was difficult, but uh, but doing it with Matt and Shannon was just uh, was just a no brainer. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, the, some friends that we'll have for probably the rest of our life, right? I mean, game development is actually so much more social than maybe some people realize, right? You're sitting right next to somebody for years and sure. years, working on focusing on one project. Um, um, like I still talk to the the EP on the Magic game, the upcoming Cryptic Magic game, which is fantastic. Um, talk to him almost every single day. So that's how that's how closely knit you get when when you're working on something. Oh yeah, he was he was he was on Star Trek Online with us. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we joked we 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 love Rakosa. Uh, joked about the fact that we were super excited he was on Star Trek Online because he 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 was an EMT uh in his background and and we all thought we were going to have heart attacks getting star trek online out so it was great to have him around too uh yeah i love steven well uh i was going to jump to star trek a little later but since you've you've set me up nicely for that i yeah so you both worked on star trek online now that i want to know like is is that a dream project or a nightmare project because you know yeah you've got paramount there you've got the sort of star trek bible holders you've got the you know how how vast do you scope something like that out like i could see star trek online being a total dream scenario or a total nightmare or anything in between like none of it would surprise me so i'm kind of curious to hear about it from from two people that worked on it extensively you're also talking to two huge trekkies um embarrassing photos in star trek uniforms all the all the action figures what do, you, what do you have, Craig? A signed um, porcelain plate from Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. 
right, well, what's, what's, what's each of your favorite? Let's pause this for a second. F- favorite Star Trek show? Which what's which Trek is best? Go, Matt. Ooh, I I'm not going to take the bold answer. I'm going to say Deep Space Nine. It's always been my favorite lately, okay. though. Um, the first season of Discovery is incredible and kind of um, kind of nails what we love about Star Trek and why it actually wasn't a nightmare to develop. It's because it's such a large, inclusive universe where so many different types of stories can be told. Yeah. And Discovery took that and started telling new stories, right? And that's what we always wanted to do at Cryptic as well. Craig, favorite Star Trek? Uh, I, my my immediately knee-jerk is is next-gen. Uh, I think that 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 I it's just amazing, just fantastic. That's what really, really solidified uh, me as a as a as a lifelong uh, Star Trek fan. But I mean, I, I loved Picard uh, when yeah. it came out. It's just fantastic. So uh, it just feels so much like next gen, but but kind of updated too. So I'm I'm loving what they're doing with it now. That ending though, the, the 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 way they ended that Picard season, no, right? <laughs> no, no good. <laughs> I'm 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 gonna see what happens next. I'm gonna see what happens. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the to the to Star Trek Online proper. So, dream or nightmare or all of the above. I, I kind of want to hear about this because, like, yeah. What what was Star Trek Online like, guys? Oh, I I mean, when you love an IP uh, as much as uh, I mean, Matt and I have been so lucky to be able to work on 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 the franchises that we've had. Um, there's, it's always a dream. It's always just fantastic. Uh, I think Star Trek was amazing, uh, for a number of things. We, we got the license, uh, the studio got extremely excited about it. Uh, and, and I was lucky enough to, to, you know, be EP and game director on it through its development and launch. And, um, and that team was just amazing. Now, uh, a couple of a couple of weeks after we got the license, the CEO took me aside and it was like, yeah, okay, cool. And, and, and now we have about 20 months to launch it. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, but I mean, the team jumped on it. We learned so much during that project uh, and, and putting that out. I think that those were some of the, uh, some of the best days mm-hmm. of development that, that, that I've had in my career. Um, I just love that team. I love the love the IP. Uh, love what the game has become. It is still going so strong. What is it? Yeah. Eleven years now, uh, yeah, almost eleven years. So yeah, ten um, years this February they celebrated yeah. the the decade. Oh, you're right. Yeah, ten years. Just, yeah. Matt, how about you? Oh man, um, the thing I remember most is that every single person on that project was a Trekkie and the we always knew that the success was going to be in telling stories and setting a setting up a universe where other Trekkies can gather together and hang out and live and breathe that universe day to day to day and um, I mean clearly we did that because it's still going 10 years later on that strength um, it was also just it's it's totally strange to think back because it was a box product with a subscription right and that's that's very different than what's common today right um and and we learned so so much on that game and then we realized was it like a year into it craig that we were like you know if we make this free to play with no content barriers we can 
we can open it up to a much bigger audience of Star Trek fans um, yeah. and be able to do that like monthly episodic content that we were doing back then. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just a really, honestly, it's just a dream to work in something like Star Trek. Yeah. And Paramount and CBS was just, they were so supportive and so open to new ideas and letting, letting us kind of put our stamp on it. Yeah. Just like what, um, what we're doing with aliens. It's the same kind of, it's a nightmare because we're fans and we want to make sure that we live up to the expectations of the IP, but it's a dream because we get all the support from, from the, the people that own the franchise and the ability to kind of expand on all the stuff that we, we watched 40 years ago. Right. I love hearing yeah. that. And it's, and it's got to make both of you feel good that, that, it celebrates its 10 year anniversary. It's still going. Yeah. It takes yeah. some pride in that. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. With, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. It's just fantastic. And, and I mean, like Matt said, to be able to tell stories in these universes that, uh, that we've been just fans of forever and, and it is just, is just a real privilege. Uh, yeah. And, and, and getting to meet Leonard Nimoy. That was pretty cool too. Was that like on a promotional tour thing for the game or how did that come about? Yeah, yeah. So so he he was when we announced the game, we announced it at the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas and, and we had Leonard Nimoy come up to actually introduce uh introduce it. Um nice. it was fantastic. I got to spend time with him in the green room uh beforehand. It was great. And and we had him sign a, a a Spock figurine that we passed around kind of as a weekly MVP for the team. Oh, and cool. it, it's not a plate that I have, Matt. It's actually a spoon. Okay, so uh, part of his part of his rider, he wanted mint chocolate chip ice cream in uh, in the green room, and so it was great. I got to talk with him and and talk about what made uh, Star Trek special and what tried to get his advice on what we should be doing with the game and whatnot. And he he stepped out for a little bit, and I just had this huge wave of kind of that really creepy stalker fan and and i just took his dirty spoon i took his dirty spoon he was done with his ice cream and i i stole his dirty spoon so 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 i have i have leonard nimoy spoon uh at a place of honor back at my house let me know if you want us to edit that out craig that's yeah <laughs> that's a great story yeah. oh man that might be that's a little embarrassing but <laughs> no it's uh you really were a fan i mean that proves oh, yeah. it um you know, one more thing on, on Star Trek before we get to why you're really here, which is, of course, to talk about Aliens Fireteam. Oh, yeah. um, I like I want to hear about kind of the design challenges of Star Trek Online, because I remember I remember when that game was first announced uh, just as a as a gamer, as a fan, like in my head, Star Trek might be the quintessential massively multiplayer online game in a in a in a limitless world with no, with, you know, no technical constraints, no budget constraints, nothing, because you could have, you know, you could have giant starships manned by hundreds of players, each living their own little virtual life, doing a job, earn, you know, working your way up the Starfleet ranks, going on away missions, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, technology, just technology can't support that, certainly, especially 10 years ago. And, and, time and budget you'd need a team of thousands i mean you know it, you'd have to rein it in somehow so 
I'd love for each of you to kind of speak to that because that's right. I imagine the the possibilities feel endless at the beginning, but then you have to figure out a way to make a real thing that can ship and still be fun and still be Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you I, just underlined one of the things that 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 we always go to is, yeah, it has to be fun. Um, Star Trek's one of those licenses where you bring it up, and everyone, anyone you talk to, thinks has a different pitch for you, right? Like my right. Star Trek game would be this and my Star Trek game would be this. I mean, that's a huge positive for the for the franchise, right? Um, and we tried some of those things. Maybe you remember some of the prototypes we tried, Craig, but yeah, it, at the sure. end of the day, it's um, it had to be Star Trek. So we had to have ship combat and ground combat and dialogue trees. And we had to tell stories and get the music and get the actors and the locations, obviously. But then it also had to be a video game and fun and not just something that you go into and click around and say, yeah, they put the wallpaper of Star Trek up here, <laughs> but this might as well be this might as well be on Sega CD with full motion graphics. Right. Um, it, it needs to be a video game first. And I think that that's one of the strengths that has helped keep it around for 10 years. Um, let's. Uh... Is there anything that you kind of left on the table with Star Trek that you just you wish either again time budget technology you wish you could have done with it bef uh, in the time you had? I think that there was. I mean, you do make uh, you make concessions, especially then. I think that that we learned so much. We went into uh, the Star Trek design with with eyes way, way bigger than 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 the time and the tech uh, was going to allow for us. And man, th th there was a bunch of stuff that 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 we got close on. Um, but I think in the end, it is it is about making sure that you're looking at the core experience. You're looking at the core things that, you know, need to be there uh, and then and then focus on that stuff. So I don't think that there was much that, you know, we we imagined or moved along pretty far that we were like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. But we just don't have time to do it. I right. think most of the things that we tried were like, oh, my God, this is not fun at all. That's a terrible <laughs> idea. Get rid of that. Let's focus on what's fun and what 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 the core experience is. I guess you could you plus maybe you can't think that way too because you could just drive yourself insane with thinking about like what you could have done or or <laughs> if you you know only had more time or budget or something. I I do think that it's something about MMO development and 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 like most games now, which which is great with kind of, kind of ongoing support post launch you know roadmaps and whatnot, is that it's never a you don't get it. It's a just a when. And so it's it when you ask about Star Trek or, or or Neverwinter or even City of, it's like what are the things that didn't get in? It's hard to remember because you just kind of say, okay, cool, we'll put that in later. We'll yeah. put deeper Star Trek dialogue trees in later. We'll put this feature <clears> in <throat> later, and and you get to do that. Uh, it's 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 definitely a a it makes developing that sort of stuff a little bit easier on the creative. Well, let's uh, let's fast forward to today. Why we're here, Aliens Fire Team. Uh, you've got another big license, and we talked about Star Trek. We talked about Marvel. Now, <clears throat> Aliens. So, um, but what was interesting to me is I got the chance to play with the game with you guys a little bit uh, before this. And Craig, you had mentioned offhanded that oh, you guys had kind of another project, uh, and then Alien came along. So, it's curious if you can talk about that because I imagine that's the kind of thing that happens a lot. 
in game development that we often don't hear about where something starts as one thing and then, you know, in some way or another, either something else comes along or it morphs into another thing. So was was it another game entirely that you guys had going or was it something that, that then just became alien when the when the opportunity to get the license came along? Yeah, it, it, it was something else entirely. Uh, when we started Cold Iron, uh, we started on kind of our own little uh, triple I, our own IP, uh, and we're working on that for a while. And we started looking around for uh, partners uh, to kind of uh, finish it up and, and get it out the door. And, and one of the groups that we talked to was uh, 21st Century. Uh, I think it was in the late fall of 2017 or something like that, a, a couple years into into Cold Iron. And uh, they they loved the gameplay that we had. They loved mm-hmm. the, the systems. They loved the pedigree of the team that we had put together. And they said, hey, but but we have this aliens thing. And we just, we our mouths just fell open. Uh, and we were like, okay, whatever. No, no, let's just get rid of this uh, and, 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 and start on aliens. And, and we went into it just, just brand new. You can't, I guess you can, I guess some people do, but like Matt and I and Cold Iron, we're we're not going to go, okay, cool. How can we take this thing and just like skin it aliens, uh, when presented with the, I mean, with the honor of working on something that's so, so so powerful, so just amazing. Uh, you start from scratch. You look at it and you go, okay, what what game does this franchise want? What game does make sense here? What game, what stories do we want to tell here? And 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 you kind of start over. Yeah, we got to, you know, keep some tech and stuff like that uh, and and whatnot, but it was, it was, it was start over. And 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 now we got fire team. So Matt, were you in the room when this when this happened as one of the co-founders, or is it something where Craig comes back and tells everybody? No, we were in the room. I I mean, I, I don't remember if Shannon was also sick. I was horrifically ill. I had like the flu. Um and 21st century called us and said, you know, we wanna we wanna fly up there and just talk to you guys. And we were like, okay, what is this about? Let's let's get in early. Of course, they got there at 7 a.m. And um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm speaking only for myself. I was skeptical, you know. I I, I didn't know 20th century for for somebody that was um, that was like running game studios or um, I was very unfamiliar with them. Right. And turned out that hey, they really value talent and creativity and telling original stories. And it's the reason why the company was around for a hundred years, right? It's the same as what, what Disney is today. They're, they're around because they make excellent stories for people to experience. And over the course of that day, when we're talking about it, and like Craig said, they said the word aliens. And I think we said, could you repeat what you said? <laughs> um, because, you know, we have, we have everybody, I think, has a short list in their head of here's the IPs that we want to work on. Sure. Like I would drop I drop anything and move to I don't know, move to anywhere to work on X, Y or Z. And Aliens is one of those things. Right. And um, it just happened to be an excellent match. You know, we built the team to be a really good team of developers, not really for any specific game. And we looked at their pedigree and you know we had people that worked on destiny and call of duty and dead space and all of a sudden it seems like hey everything clicks 
And we're all really excited about it. And the worst part, I think, and maybe Craig can speak to this because I, I took some photos of him doing this, um, was waiting to tell the team. Right? <laughs> that's what I wanted because, to ask you about next is, yeah, tell me about telling everybody else because that's got to be a fun moment. Yeah, that it, 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 it definitely is. And, and this was something that everybody was, was just, just overexcited about. Uh, it was just, it was very, very hard. Uh, like it was a very short meeting cause everybody just wanted to run back to their desks and start working and start brainstorming and start working on things. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a high point in cold iron when we got to announce to the team that, that, that we were going to work on this with, with 20th century. I think actually Craig Rogelio, one of our, um, environment artists ran back to his desk and looked through some reference and was like, hey, on the Sulaco, there's this laptop. That shit's going to be in our game, I'm sure. Something like that. And he made it. And I think like yesterday we were placing it in the, the Endeavor, which is our, our big player hub, right? Our, our Sulaco equivalent. Yeah. Um, so from, from day one, I think that's the very first Aliens asset um, <laughs> that, that we got to make. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. So, I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit, but... Where do you even start with with when you're handed the alien license? Like it sounds like uh you know, it sounds like you guys didn't pitch them an alien idea. They they came to you with alien based on the talent and the team that you had. So how quickly do you arrive at the three person, you know, co-op third person shooter survival game that 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 is Aliens Fire Team? Yeah, I it it wasn't too hard. I mean, uh, to be honest, it, it, it wasn't very hard. We sat down with franchise. We sat down with the 20th century uh, team, uh, talked to them about kind of what the major fantasies within the alien universe are, ones that will translate easily or, or, or really well to games uh, and, and things that we're excited about, too. I mean, and, and there you, you sit at it and you look at it and there are really two major gaming fantasies within the alien universe, right? There's the, there's the Ridley Scott alien fantasy, right? Which is, you know, Ripley against a single xenomorph and, and, and all of that tension. And it's really a survival horror experience. And Alien Isolation did an amazing job of bringing that to life, right? And then there's this other fantasy. There's the Cameron-esque fantasy, the right. aliens fantasy, right? Which is really- Plural, yeah. Yeah, it's an action movie, right? It's 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 over the top. There's horror, there's suspense, there are things that you have to overcome. And uh and the type of games that that we've made in the past, always trying to kind of push that action element, go in that direction. It was it was pretty easy for us to go, oh yeah, let's let's go there, let's make that game. Uh I think that 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 we really wanted to make sure that we saw that that action movie experience. That's that's what Fireteam is. Uh, so, Matt, you guys have added a number of new xenomorph types in this that we've seen so far on IGN and in the, the footage we posted. I'm curious, like, who signs off on those? Like, is it I, I imagine it doesn't go up to Ridley Scott or maybe it does. I don't know. But is, is there just sort of like a like a brand manager, like a, a brand Bible keeper at Fox and what is now Disney that makes all those interesting little decisions? Yeah. Um, so it's great. We we. We have, it's funny, it's hard to, it's hard to explain how this whole thing works because actually the, the people that we collaborate with at Disney, um, they're in playing the game every day. They're, they're some of the, the, the best players uh, of the game. Um, maybe we'll give you their handles later and, <laughs> and we can check it out on, 
um, when it launches later in summer. Um, we often, we come up with crazy ideas, right? Just wild out there things. And then as fans of the franchise, we think like, would we be excited to see this? Does this actually seem to fit within the the legacy that's there? And, you know, we've looked at, obviously we've looked at the the vast array of, of source material that's out there and um, pulled where, where we can. But in that, that main trilogy, there's only, there's only a few types of xenomorphs, right? And we're, we're making right. a game. And when we have, you know, 20 enemy types in our game, we, we got to expand in ways that feel, feel authentic. Um, so a lot of concept art, a lot of doing things over and over and over again in 3D, and then really nailing down the, the xenomorph trope of function equals the form, right? So, I mean, the best example of that is, is, is the burster Xenos, yeah. right? They're they're filled with acid sacks. They are like hyper dangerous, explosive, and starting from that point and imagining what's it like if if the the blood vessels of this xenomorph are actually starting to burst from its head dome and peel out of its its muscles in its arms and and going from there. So kind of starting with that gameplay and the the function of it and and going out. And then, you know, we have so many partners and collaborators at Disney that take a look at it and help guide us, right? Because they've been working in this franchise for, you know, as long as we've been alive. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's lots of there's lots of lots of interesting insight and places to take it from there. Yeah, and the team at Disney is 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 comprised a lot of the people who were at 20th Century that we've been working with for the past three years. So they've been working on the game. They've been, they, they've, they've been trying to make sure that, that everything works in there. And, and in the end, it's, it is lucky for us to be able to work on something that we're such big fans of, because we're probably the biggest limiter where, where if we wanted to add something, it's not like, Oh, cool. Let's try to jam this weird thing in. It's like, we look at it and we're like, yeah, that doesn't belong in aliens or yeah, that'd be really cool if it was. So, uh, but Disney and 20th Century is is amazingly supportive, and they know they know what it takes to make games, and they also know the universe. So they've been a really good partner in in kind of figuring all those things out and helping us too. Craig, be honest with me, real quick here. What when when news that Disney is going to acquire Fox for however many billion dollars it was, is there is having been through four studio purchase you know transactions. Is there any worry in the back of your head that, uh-oh, these guys might, you know, Disney might just cancel this game on us? I, you know, at, at some point in time, you have no idea what goes on, you know, like miles above your head in, in right. corporate land, right? And, and what their decisions are. But uh, it goes back to, I, I think you asked me about advice earlier. It's like, you focus on the game, you make the game, you make the experience as, as, as good as you can. And everybody on the ground has always been super supportive of what we're doing. There's never been a blip. There's never been a break where they're like, no, 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 no. Let's wait until, you know, something happens. We're just constantly in contact, constantly working with, you know, uh, the, the other licensors also to make sure that the, the franchise is all tied together and nobody's can, nobody's contradicting each other and stuff like that. So, uh, it's been really, really good. Of course, you know, you're like, Sure. Well, 
what's going to happen to Cold Iron? But I was pretty confident with the with the team that we had and with the game that we had when all of this stuff has gone down. So it's just like, okay, well, let, let, let's find another home if we need to. Uh, so Matt, if you'll pardon the pardon the phrasing here, I mean, what what's the long you know xenomorph tail <laughs> on this game? Like, is it going to be releasing new campaigns over time? Um, I mean, you guys have a lot of experience working on long tail games in your in your you studio's do. history. So, kind of curious what you know what this game looks like as it's after it's been out for you know will we be celebrating a ten year anniversary of this and have still people be playing still have people playing it? That's one of those things where PR is going to kill me if I talk about it. I'm sorry, <laughs> right? It's my job to ask. You know, I know it is. I know. <laughs> So all I that's to be all that's to be revealed later. You've got there there are plans. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Summer twenty twenty one is what we're focusing on right now. So summer twenty twenty one is when the game is out. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll let's let's end on this. Let's end on a little fun note. So for both of you here, I'll go. Uh, let's go, Matt first. So you guys have worked on Star Trek. You've worked on a little bit of Marvel, though that didn't get to ship that one. You've worked on Aliens. You're going to be shipping that one. And and you guys kind of touched on it earlier of having a few dream IPs that you'd, you'd pack up and move anywhere for just what else is on the wish list? Uh, Matt, like what it, after this is done, what, what, you know, if you could just pluck it out of, if you could just will it into reality, what other IP would you want to work on? I'm, I'm trying to, to check in my head if it's, um, if it's a Disney owned IP. So. <laughs> they'd probably want me to answer that good thing is that they own most ips so that's true i'm trying not to choose a game ip right i'm i'm, I'm a, a giant gamer right so so when i think about creative media i think about i think about video yeah games. um all right craig you got to pick up the slack for matt here i'm not going to help you much i'm not going to i'm not going to give you a beautiful quip either uh, we are we're we're in the midst of really focusing on on aliens right now and getting this game out and getting this game done i think that matt and i are thinking about you know this ip and making sure that we do right by it like 20 20 hours a day there's not a lot of time to go oh what's next what's next <laughs> is aliens what's next is 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 focusing on this so uh, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll keep any, keep any future possibilities, uh, you know, something for me to think about, uh, months from now. Fair enough. The, 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 the overlords, the corporate overlords will be pleased that you have kept all focus <laughs> on aliens, the diplomatic answer from both of you. Well, guys, uh, Craig, Honestly, Matt, thank you so it's, much. It's a, it's a real answer. I think we'd love to work on aliens again. It's been uh, well, so hopefully fun. you get the it's chance. Yeah. We'll oh. <laughs> uh, for now, though, Aliens Fire Team out this summer. Three player, grab a couple friends, uh, have a good time, shoot your way through. Uh, good times will be had. We've got more coverage on it all month long, all the month of whole entire month of March here on IGN. So look out for that. Uh, Craig, Matt, thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you, Ryan. This was a ton of fun. Thanks. Hope we talk again soon, man.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.